Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Reconciling Grace. This is Pete Vecchi, and I'm glad to be with you today. Steve Wilson and Mick Wells and Vicki Cundiff are with us. We are the, I guess, more or less regular panel, I guess, wouldn't we say that, everybody? Uh, because we've been here for almost every one of the uh, episodes of Reconciling Grace. And today, what we're going to be doing is is Vicki is going to kind of be taking off on the topic that we ended with last time. Last time we talked about divine appointments, and today Vicki is going to be leading our discussion on divine decisions or divine direction. Would that be a good way of uh, saying it, Vicki? Yes, it would. So, you know, in divine appointments, we talked about how God directs us somewhere to fulfill a purpose, something that he's asked us to do, go talk to someone or go and do something. Uh, or God can give us a divine appointment, and which I feel that He's done that with for us where we are. I think that God really wanted us to come together for this radio program, but He can, you know, call someone into something divinely, and that's kind of like a divine appointment as well. Sometimes we talked about how uh, sometimes that just the circumstances that put us in a particular situation, you know, and God used that, and and later we look back and go, wow, I must have been here for this reason, and all these things that came up to this. And so kind of from that, I come up with this idea about talking about the decisions that we make for our lives based on the divine direction that we've received from God. Not something that's a coincidence, but something that God actually leads us to. We hear that inner voice, you know, speaking to us or however it is that he speaks to you and gives us that direction uh, and tells us to do something. And so there are so many biblical examples uh, that we could draw from in the Old and the New Testament. Uh, I've picked out some biblical examples, and we'll talk about those. Um, And then we'll also talk about some divine direction that we have received ourselves. And so we're going to start off today with uh, Genesis and this chapter six through nine, and uh, we're just—that's just where the story of Noah is and how Noah built an ark. We're not going to read any scriptures from that. So, uh, you listeners out there, if any of the scriptures that we give, if you don't know the story or if you haven't heard it for a long time, you want to refresh yourself because I just love this story. Uh, of the ark. Uh, But anyway, it's it's Genesis chapter six through nine. And so God told Noah basically to build this real, this ark, this really huge boat. And he was going to send the rain and which was going to make the floodwaters that was just going to cover the entire earth. And so God gave Noah divine direction on this. Uh, He told him what to build. He told him how to build it, how many cubits (laughs) that it would be, you know, in the scriptures. Um, and he told him why he should build it. And so Noah believed God. We don't see anywhere in there that he argued with him or anything. He believed God and he made the decision to obey God's direction. And the result was the saving of his own family, uh, of their lives, and also the continuation of human beings upon the earth to fulfill God's purpose and God's plans. Now think of it. He's going to build this boat when there hasn't been any rain so far. And he's going to build this great big huge ark that they estimate that took anywhere between 55 and 75 years. Don't you think he would have faced ridicule, demeaning remarks, you know, people thinking that he's nuts. Why are you building this ark? You think he faced that? Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm remembering the old classic Bill Cosby uh, uh, 
what do you want to call it? A, 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 a comedy skit, I guess, when he was talking about uh, being Noah and Noah talking to God at that time, you know. With I remember the, that. With, yeah, with the neighbors complaining about the smell of that thing. You know what's going on with that? And, and I, I'm sitting here thinking about the fact of, you know, I live in a in a community that's got a homeowners association. I'm glad they didn't have those in the days of Noah. He'd <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, what a tremendous example of what faith and trust looks like. Imagine yourself hearing from God so specifically, you know, gave him the direction how to build it and everything, that you spent those 55 to 75 years doing this when everybody around you is thinking you're crazy. Um, no, and that, so, that reminds me of the Christian life. Right? We, we hear this, uh, this word from God that says, you belong to me now. You live a changed life, and for however long we live, maybe 55, 75 years, we're totally going against the grain of culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're being made fun of. We're looking. We're uh, being looked down upon. People are saying we're crazy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think uh, any Christian kind of can relate to Noah. Yeah, I believe so. Good point. I think that uh, is a good sweeping example for uh, living the Christian life in modern times. What came to mind here is that when we trust what God says in the world, basically doesn't and and steve you said that in in essence concerning the christian life i was thinking about all the the words in the bible that talk about the second coming of christ or the rapture of the church and we're told what to look for and we're told uh you know look up for your redemption draws nigh and words like that in the scriptures and yet the Bible tells us there will be people scoffing at those who believe that, saying, hey, all these years have gone by, nothing's happened yet, Uh, where's the sign of his coming, or, you know, you're just barking up the wrong tree. So, in effect, by parallel, uh, we're kind of like in that 55, 75 years it took Noah to build the ark. We know there's an event coming, we just don't know when. That's a good point. And, you know, we believe by faith, right? Mm -hmm. And so he had faith to believe that this was going to take place no matter how long it took. And so that would be the difference between unbelievers and believers, I think, is that we have this deep faith inside us that when God tells us something, no matter how long it's going to take, we're just going to trust that. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, maybe we don't wonder sometime in the wait, you know, and did I hear this right kind of thing. But there's just this deep knowing in your heart. And so... A tremendous story about Noah that he did uh, have a deep faith in God. He followed through, and we're thankful he followed through, right? <laughs> so it had a great purpose. But that just leads me to the question Has there ever been a time in your life that you heard from God and obeyed a divine directive that seemed unpopular? I think the first challenge for me, because I've often said I flunked discernment 101, is trying to discern if it is truly divine direction or not. And uh, one of the lingering questions in my mind in studying these examples that uh, particularly take place, it appears in in the Old Testament, is how did, for example, how did God give direction to Noah? And there are other examples where you ask, okay, did he talk to him directly? Did he appear to him? Uh, Nothing like that's ever happened to me. But if you're looking for illustrations of something I believe may have been divinely inspired, um, 
I had two children, two sons. One was adopted, and um, after some years, I was led um, very strongly in the inner man, if you will, to adopt from China. And I had uh, a relative come up to me. I hardly ever talked to this relative, but they said, uh, you know, I hear you're going to adopt from uh, China. And she said, I just want you to know I'm against it. Well, what do you do with something like that? First, you evaluate where's their direction (laughs) coming from. (laughs) I'm not sure. But I basically said to myself and to my wife, uh, I think the Lord's leading us to adopt this little baby girl from China. And I responded uh, affirmatively to what I believe God was leading me to do. And I followed through with that. Yeah. Well, and that answers part of your question. That's just one way that God leads us is through that knowing and through that urging, you know, of the spirit. Mm-hmm. It's a great story. Anyone else have an example? Well, Mick, I thought you were going to be talking about uh, how you also adopted from Russia, didn't you? Yes. Um, that came as a result of two or three miscarriages that we experienced after my uh, biological son was born. And so um, I, I'm a little less certain about the direction on that one. I followed through and did it, and I was prompted primarily by the Scripture that said the religion that God finds true and, and faultless is to, well, to care for orphans and, and widows in their distress. And I thought, well, what better way to do that? He's, God's given me the means to adopt uh, this little boy from Russia. A little bit different circumstantially. It, the, the confirmation was just a... a a burning thing for my daughter. Mm -hmm. And the first one, it just seemed to be a natural extension of how I read the scriptures and the opportunities and resources I had to follow through with an adoption like that. Well, the reason I brought up Russia is because you had a whole lot more to do with Russia and the government than I did. But my example that I wanted to uh, share uh, based on Vicki's question about being led had to do with my going as a short-term missionary to Russia on two different occasions. And uh, the first one was such that um, I was kind of like what you were talking about, Mick, you know, well, yeah, it sounds like a good idea type of thing, and, and I don't want to get too boring with all the stories. Let's just say that the Lord just kept um, having the same message, the same special program be on the radio any time I turned the radio on. It was not something that was played all the time, and it seemed like every time I turned the radio on, it was Josh McDowell talking about going to Russia. And it's like, really? You know, what's going on here? You know, I'm getting tired of hearing this. And one day, I still remember, I went into my my job at the time, and um, in my office, I had a radio that I usually had on during the day, and I turned it off when I left. And this was a Saturday morning. I worked only other, every other Saturday morning, and I really didn't listen too much to the radio on Saturday mornings. And as I was sitting at my desk, I kept hearing this, bzz, 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 bzz. and I realized that what I had done is I had left my radio turned way down instead of on. I wasn't going to listen to the radio, but I says, you know, Lord, 
I'm going to turn that on. And if that's Josh McDowell talking about Russia, I'm going to consider that you might be asking me to go to Russia. And I turned up the radio and it's Josh McDowell talking about going to Russia. And so I kind of really had to start saying, Lord, are you calling me to do this? Now, that was a kind of idea where, okay, let's let's start looking through these doors here. And I had a little bit of finances that I was able to do that at that time. And right about the time that everything was in, all the down payments were in, the final payments were made, I lost my job. And talk about people thinking I was crazy. I said, if I don't go on this trip, I'll feel like John Mark in the book of Acts when he left Paul and uh, Barnabas and left the mission field. So I went still not knowing what kind of job I would have when I came back and understand that I was the only source of income for my family. You talk about being a crazy, it's kind of like building an ark in your backyard. But um, it was while I was in Russia that the Lord, I still remember sitting on a bus in Moscow, waiting as we were unloading some boxes out of a building, where the Lord kind of showed me that he wanted me to be all about a ministry that was my vocation. And that's kind of how I got called into vocational ministry. Now, I could probably go a little bit more into detail about that, but I am noticing the clock, and it is time for us to take a a moment for our sponsors. So we'll be right back with Reconciling Grace. We're back with Reconciling Grace, and before the uh, break, uh, Pete was sharing with us a great story about an experience with him that really shows how God, another way that God can lead us, a different direction, and sometimes it's a way of saying, here's your sign, I'm just going to keep putting this before your face so that you know. I think it takes great faith um, to know so strongly that even though you lost your job, then you went out and did what God wants you to do anyway, and that was probably a great test that he was giving you there. Are you going to go and obey me, even though humanly it doesn't look like the right thing to do? So I just think that's a, a great thing there. So maybe for Noah, it even seemed like, why am I doing this? You know, mm-hmm. but uh, following God's will uh, is what's important in doing what he tells us to do. So another biblical example I want to talk about today is Abram and who later got his name changed to Abraham. So we can call him either. Um, but his story starts in the latter part of uh, Genesis in chapter 11, and I didn't look up how many chapters, but it goes on a long way. So again, if our listeners would like to read uh, further about uh, Abraham, because we're just going to talk about a particular part, but he has a great story, doesn't he, guys, uh, to read about. And so uh, we're going to read Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. And then in chapter 15, verse 6, said, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Okay, so we can see there that God spoke specifically uh, to Abram, and we don't really know how he heard that or whatever, and knowing in his heart. Uh, But it says here, the Lord said to go 
and do these things to get up and, and move away. Um, and the interesting thing is, is he had to just be led along as he went, didn't he? You know, he didn't tell him, you know, to go over to such and such place. And then that's where your residence is going to be. So this was an ongoing thing uh, for Abraham to continue uh, to follow in this way. But he made that decision to obey. And really, it's how the nation of Israel came into existence. And so everything that God promised him came true, didn't it? Yeah, I was thinking, too, that this is really significant because Abram and his family at that time, as I've noted in previous programs, they were worshiping a pagan god. They were worshiping a moon god. So when the fact that their true and living God appears to him or in some fashion speaks directly to him, the first challenge for Abram is to recognize that, yeah, hey, that's no counterfeit. That's not the moon god. That's the true and living God. And oh, by the way, having recognized that, I'm going to obey. That's good. It makes you wonder at one point that he became a believer. Yeah. You know, and already, maybe already even been one, because then God says, hey, you know, I want you to go. So, and he was so faithful, you know, throughout his journey, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. And the story shows the cost of following God, right? He had to leave his country, he had to leave his father's house, and uh Again, it kind of reminds me of the Christian life. When we become Christians or when we um, maybe start following God a little more closely than, than other people, it creates divisions. Mm-hmm. We, we, we sacrifice things. We sacrifice uh, sometimes family relationships. Sometimes we're not as close to uh, certain friends that we once were because of that. Mm-hmm. But it's worth it all, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a Absolutely. great relationship with Christ. Well, and then there's the story of David. Um, Outside of Jesus, David is talked about most in the Bible more than anyone else. Mm -hmm. And so he became the second king of Israel. And again, we're not going to read specific scripture. Uh, I love 1 and 2 Samuel, don't you guys? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just exciting to read that book. Uh, But anyway, it talks about David in the the 16th chapter. uh, It's when the prophet Samuel tells the story of the prophet Samuel anointing this young man who was, he was very young, he was a shepherd boy, but he anointed him to be king. And the way the story went was that um, Samuel, there he is obeying God too, you know, in the directive that he was supposed to go and anoint another king. The first king, Saul, uh, he had, you know, moved away from obeying God and he was just kind of his own man now. And and so God was very, greatly disappointed in him and he was not with him anymore. He said, it says in the scriptures, and so he was supposed to anoint another. And so uh, he told him where to go and the, the particular family that the, it was going to come from. And they had this feast. Uh, but it just so happens that David wasn't there. He was out in the field uh, as a shepherd with the sheep. And so it looked like that these other brothers of his, you know, the first one comes by and he's handsome and he's tall. And he looks like he's the one that should be the king of Israel. And then the, God said, no, you know, man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart, the scripture says in the 16th chapter, I think verse nine. And so they went through the line of these uh, uh, young men, uh, his brothers. And he said, Samuel said, don't Jesse, don't you have another son? And because he wondered, you know, why isn't I, why haven't I found the right one yet? And so he brings David in and, and there was this knowing and this God saying, you know, that's the one. And so here, here he is very young, a teenager, and he's anointed to be the next king. But it doesn't happen right away, does it? Mm -mm. And so 
there's this, again, this waiting period. But he's young, what, you know, maybe 17 or something like that. And so he's young. He has to learn how to be a king. And so he has to go through all these different things and these different trials and the things that he did. But he got into King Saul's uh, army, you know, came to know him, even married into his family. So he became well known. So you can just see that when God called him to something and he made the decision to obey that anointing, then it just it was a journey before it actually came play come play mm-hmm. true. But but um, sometimes that's just the way it is. You have to wait. But there was also the circumstances on the other side. I just want to add that Saul was still the king, and so God eventually brought all this together. And so the point from this for me is that David was anointed. He believed it. He accepted God's uh, will for him and made that decision that one day he would be king to follow that. But it took some time and he never tried to make it happen himself. You know, in the story, if you read it, you know, we know that King Saul was jealous of David. He thought, you know, he he said, I'm going to kill him. And he tried to kill him. David had opportunity to defend himself and kill him. And so sometimes following God's direction of what we know to be true can take a while for it to come true. There can also be troubles and trials that happen along the way. And, you know, think about, well, why is he trying to kill me? And he's on the run. And so there again, he's leaving his family and everyone behind. And, mm-hmm. But he stayed faithful, didn't he, yeah. uh, to what God had called him to do. And, you know, sometimes I think that one of the hardest things for us to, to discern, or make you talked about flunking discernment 101, I think that I've, dis, I've also flunked discernment 102, maybe when it comes down to, is this a thing that God is trying to put in the way to close a door, or is this an obstacle that, that the devil is putting in your way because he doesn't want you to keep doing this? Sometimes it's really hard to tell. Yeah. Again, you just have to stay close to the Lord to know what, that what he told you was true. Because sometimes you're not going to get that big feeling. So that's a good point. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes when you're waiting on something, and I've been there, you're waiting on something for a very long time, you can start to think that this is, this is not so. And uh, Satan can try to swarm those doubts in on you. So you have to remember, like the scripture says in the Psalms, you're going to have to remember what you were told and still have faith to believe that. But that's part of the faith growing process, Mm -hmm. I believe as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, uh, you know, this may be a rabbit trail, but I try to think of how does God direct us or give direction today versus like in the time of, of David. Uh, the Bible tells us that in the past, God spoke through his prophets. So it's, it's no shock that Samuel, being a prophet of God, mm-hmm. would get the direction from God, but then go tell David. Is there a parallel with anything going on today, for example? Um, if I go to church and somebody comes up to me and said, God told me to tell you this, what kind of, what should we think, first of all, and what kind of stock should we put, we put in that? It makes me wonder if the way God speaks to people, uh, Hebrews 1, for instance, says it's all, it implies to me that it's almost a dispensational thing. He, he's not speaking to us through prophets today, but uh through through Jesus Christ the revealed word of God uh to us and i just wondered if you think that maybe this is old testament unique stuff well i think he does speak through prophets uh, just in a different way because a preacher is really a prophet and so you know they're not foretelling the future you know but 
the prophets, they did foretell, but they also gave God's direction for right now to them as well. So I think that God still is uh, forth-telling to people his word through, through preachers. But I think like in the instance, what came to my mind with David and with the prophet Samuel, Samuel told David, but yet when you read First uh, and Second Samuel, you repeatedly see David would say, for instance, Lord, should I go up to so, such and such place? And he would say, go, you know, and should I take such and such with me? And, and he would answer him. And so uh, I think it's still both ways for us that we still can hear from a preacher giving the word, if we call it that instead of the prophet, that giving the word out to give direction to people for their lives. And, you know, when we preach that God speaks to hearts and sometimes people can come up to the preacher and say, when you said such and such, God told me this. And Pete, maybe it's happened to you. It's happened to me before. You didn't even say that particular thing because the Holy Spirit is moving and working in those people's lives. And so I really think that he still does both today in that way. I was thinking of the instances I've run into where people told me that somebody came up to them and said, God told me to tell you this. And their reaction immediately was, well, I didn't hear that from God. He, why didn't he tell me? Why did he have to tell you that kind of thing, yeah. that third party? Uh, well, if I might kind of answer that a little bit, I think that there is some dis- dispensationalism in this because, to me, one of the biggest reasons why there is a New Testament, a New Covenant um, dispensation, if you want to call it that, is because of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Until Pentecost, which was recorded in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit did not indwell his people. Now, those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, who have accepted him as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit lives within us. So we have that inner voice speaking to us from within. I'm not saying that he, that God will never use a prophet, but I am also saying that we as Christians have the Holy Spirit living within us, and that is a major, major thing to understand. As Christians, we all have the Spirit, but we don't always hear the Spirit right there. Sometimes maybe our heart is hardened to Him, and so we do need someone else to come in and, and say something to us, to, to deliver us a message, to hold us accountable, to remind us to what we're supposed to know. And um, that brings up another point. You know, In the Old Testament, people did have the Spirit resting on them, and at least in special uh, circumstances. So... Even then, even Pete, even uh, David, when he sinned, he needed the prophet Nathan to come and, mm-hmm. and uh, wake him up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And David certainly had the Spirit of God on him, um, and he stayed true. And, you know, it, the Scriptures let us know uh, just from the different timings of everything that it's almost 15 years before he actually got the kingdom. So that was a long time in the process, mm. but... You know, his experiences um, in being king is so exciting to read about, but we know that even Jesus Christ came from the line of David because God promised him, you know, he followed all these years and it was God's will, but God promised him that uh, his kingdom would never end. There would always be an ancestor. And who would have, how could he have ever known for sure, you know, that what that would really look like because Jesus is a king uh, forever and ever. Even though Israel don't live by kings any longer, he is the king. Well, I'd like to just share um, from Psalm 51, 11, uh, David that we're talking about says, Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. 
And I just wanted to point out that in addition to uh, the New Testament uh, venue of the Holy Spirit indwelling every believer, Holy Spirit had a role too in the Old Testament and also with respect to David, whom we're talking about. Yes, he did. And um, the Holy Spirit was obviously around in the Old Testament. I think the way that I've sometimes described it is that the Holy Spirit rested upon or walked with the people in the Old Testament. But in Acts chapter 2, we are told that God poured his Spirit out on all people. And you know what? We are just about out of time today. I think we're going to have to continue this next time. So next time we'll be back with part two of Decisions Based on Divine Direction on Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.